Please join me as I pray. Father, we come this morning because of your name, the name of Jesus. We cry out to for mercy, for grace, for hope, for healing, for strength, for renewal. Thank you that you come and you are with us as we gather to worship you. And we do proclaim what we just sang, that there is no other power to save but your name, Jesus. And so would you come work that in our hearts this morning? You know we're saving grace. We're those who came in longing to, to know saving grace, to have saving grace, to be renewed in saving grace. Would you come and move among us? And would you take this beautiful word and let it sink deeply in our hearts, Lord, that we truly would take this, that your Holy Spirit be transformed by it, to be more and more your image bears in this world. And so we pray and pray with me, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Only you can illuminate our hearts and minds and only you can give us the power and strength to do what humanly we cannot do on our own. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you who may be joining us uh, for the first time or new to St. Andrews, we're, we're in the midst of a series that we started a couple of weeks ago in 1 John. And the theme that we're going to be looking at this fall is this, embracing truth in times of insecurity. It's so fascinating because what was going on in John's world when this was written, when he wrote this to these house churches in Ephesus, it's not a lot has changed in what's going on in our day to day. Culturally, it's becoming more and more challenging to live truly as followers of Jesus. But what the Lord is showing us, and we'll see this morning and through this uh, wonderful uh, letter that John wrote, God wants to conform our lives more and more into his image. There are four key themes that John brings up throughout this short letter. These themes are repeated over and over, and you can read them and go, John, are you, you keep repeating yourself. But part of the beauty is we need the repetition, don't we? But every time he's doing it, he's bringing a different nuance to them. Let me tell you what the four key themes are. Life and light, truth and love. And as he brings these themes, he brings a sharp contrast, brings light and darkness, life and death, truth and lies, and love and hate. Today, we're going to be looking at what I would say is the greatest identifying marker, or should be the greatest identifying marker of a follower of Jesus. And you know what it is? It's love. It's that we would love as Christ loved us. Three points I'm gonna, we're going to look at as we unpack the passage that was read a moment ago. First is the call to love. Secondly, we're going to look at the importance of doing diagnostic work in our hearts. And you'll see what I mean by that in a moment. The third thing we're going to look at is how do we really love as Jesus loved? Because it's a radically different way. First, let's look at this call to love. In verses 7 and 8, John writes, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Well, we don't have to think too much about what is the commandment that he's talking about, and that's the commandment to love, that we would love one another. 
but it begs the question, doesn't it? He says it's both old and new. (laughs) How can it be both old and new at the same time? Well, here's what we find. It's old in that it is as ancient as the Scriptures are themselves. (laughs) When God gave His law to Moses for the Israelites, His people, we read this in the book of Leviticus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It was the call to the people of God from the very beginning to love God and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's how it's old. But how is it also new? <laughs> What's new about it? Well, Jesus shows us this. He, he says this, and John records it in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said these words, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You may read that and go, well, he said the same thing that Leviticus did. You shall love, you know, we're called to love one another. But here's what's new about it. Jesus brings the qualifier that makes it new. What makes it new is Jesus himself. What makes it new is that Jesus personally embodied what it really means to love our neighbor. And we see that in the Gospels. We see that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we see how he came around people, how he loved. Love is described as we see the life of Jesus. It's shown as selfless and self-sacrificial. Think about that. (laughs) Begin to think about how do I love others? Do I love others in a selfless way? Do I love others in a self-sacrificial way? You see, the love that Jesus came to show us that he embodied, it's love shown through kindness. It's love shown through mercy. It's love shown through forgiveness. It's a love that turns enemies into friends. I wonder if you've ever encountered that with someone in your life. When you've loved them like Christ... When we love that way, friends, we turn enemies into friends. It's a radically new way of living, isn't it? Look with me at verse 8. There's an important phrase that John writes that I want to highlight and kind of expound on for a moment. In verse 8, he's talking about love. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, and here's the phrase, which is true in him and in you. The first part, love, which is true in him, in Christ, is what he's writing about. John is referring to the very nature of Jesus. The very nature of Jesus, the essence, the whole essence of who he is, is what? Be summed up in one word. It's love. It's love. You see, friends, it was love, the love of the Father that brought his Son into this world. And Jesus, he says, he came to do the will of his Father. And we see the way that he loved. Friends, read the Gospels, how he came around the outcast, people that others wouldn't even touch, how Jesus came around broken sinners, right? And he came around them, that others, that the Pharisees, the religious folk of the day, wouldn't even go near. But Jesus, in love, because he embodied love, came to them because he had something to offer. He came to bring life. He came to bring hope. He came to bring healing, a new way to be connected in in unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship with the triune God. So in love, he came among us 
to show us the Father's love. That's what we see in Jesus. But friends, we need to see this. Just as love is who Jesus is, it's also who we are as followers of Christ. Here's what I mean by that. As Christians, and Paul notes this so beautifully, he uses the language, we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Read Paul's epistles. He talks about that. We're in Christ. Just a little shout out, Bill Elkins, to you. Bill is going to be leading a a course called Perspectives. They're going to be looking at the scriptures where, where Paul writes in Christ. What does it mean that we are in Christ? Let me tell you what that means. It means our nature has changed. Our identity has changed. We have changed at the core when we come to faith in Christ. We become, as Paul writes it, a new creation in Christ. We're given new hearts. We're given a new heart. And friends, that new heart beats with the heart of Jesus. You see that? So we are able to love as he loved. But he's given us another gift that we need to remember. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we have the very presence of the living God dwelling in us. He's come to make his home in us. And so with the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, friends, we are able to do what otherwise we could not do on our own. We are able, with the presence of the Spirit, to love in an otherworldly way. And that's what John is getting at here. It's true of who we are, isn't it? And so if that's true of who we are, we ought to be living like that. We ought to be loving as Christ loved us. So I would say, I think that's why Christian love ought to be the most, and I say the most beautiful identifying marker of a follower of Jesus. Christian love ought to be what we are known for. People around us ought to look at us and say, there is something remarkably unique about that person. It's the way they love other people. I've not seen that before, right? That's what people ought to say. Friends, I think they have other choice words for us. Because often that is not true of the church. That is not true of followers of Jesus. We are not loving as Christ loved us. The problem is we don't often love in that way. And this is where we hit our second point. This is where we need to begin to do some diagnostic work into our hearts. What's really in our hearts that we need to see? Verses 9 and 11, John writes, "'Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness.'" Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. See the contrast here? Love versus hate. Now, hate's a strong word, isn't it? Hate's a very strong word. (laughs) One thing John is doing is he's bringing this contrast as he's done with light and darkness, love and hate. And friends, one of the things we need to see, there is no middle ground. There is no middle way. We're either going to love someone, we're going to hate someone. Now, you may say, wait a minute, that's a bold statement. I don't hate anybody. I just have people in my life I just don't like, right? I just, there's just those people in my life that just get on my nerves, and I'd rather them not be there, right? Friends, there's no middle ground in the gospel, We are called to love as Christ loved us. I believe the deeper root that John is getting at here is to challenge us to see what's really going on in our hearts. What is my heart posture towards someone that I really don't like, right? 
Let me give you some questions to begin to do some diagnostic work in your heart. You can say you don't hate someone, but what is your heart posture towards someone who just rubs you the wrong way? What are those thoughts that go through your mind about that person? What are your thoughts about the person who's offended you? The thoughts about a person who has wronged you? What's your posture towards someone who's done and said hurtful things about you? What's your heart and posture toward those who've committed a tremendous injustice against you? What is your heart like toward them? When someone has wronged you, do you hold a grudge? When someone has wronged you, do the thoughts go through your mind, subtle thoughts of anger? You begin to judge them up and down with your thoughts. Let me get a little more concrete and real. What does your social media say about those with whom you disagree? What does that say? What are you putting out there? You know, we're, we're hitting, and we're already hitting, we're already in the midst of a new political season, right? And you watch the news, you read the papers, you look at social media, and the things that are being put out there, right, are getting pretty vicious. They already are, and it's just beginning. The question is this, as followers of Jesus, what's our response going to be? What's our response going to be to those who might sit on the other side of the aisle than you? What's your response going to be when you debate that person, when you challenge them, when you disagree? And friends, we are. We are going to disagree with each other, and we are going to debate. But are they going to walk away and say, that person loves me? You see that? We don't see that happening around. But this church, as followers of Jesus, that's who we are. That's who we're called to be. If we're going to bring light into this world, friends, we've got to be walking in the light and following Christ. Otherwise, we're walking in darkness. You see, we're either, we're either bringing the light in and expanding the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God in where people are coming and seeing Jesus, or we're walking in darkness, adding to the darkness of this world. John's very challenging here in his call to us to walk in light, to walk in love. Look at verse 11. He gets more descriptive here. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And here's the reality. We are all prone toward unkind thoughts against another person. We're prone towards indifference to various people. Can I tell you this? Indifference is not love, it's hate. When we're indifferent to someone else, when we are not seeking to love them with our heart, with our words, with our thoughts. You see, when our actions do not display the love of Christ to another person, friends, we're walking in darkness. And that's challenging, isn't it? Boy, has it been challenging to me in this season of life that I'm in right now. This has been so convicting, so I've needed it. Because I want to walk in love when there are people around who do not, right, or may present themselves as unlovable, right? I still have a call. We still have a call to follow Jesus, don't we? And to love as he loved. Beginning to see the importance of doing diagnostic work in our hearts, right? We can't be neutral. So what does it look like to love as Christ loved us? What does it look like to love as Christ loved the church it's our third point. Here's what I want to say. It's about walking with the gospel front and center in our hearts and minds. 
It's about walking in the truth of God's word, friends, that we're so allowing this truth to show us more of who God is, more of who we are, and that we're allowing it to shape the way we think. We allow it to shape the way we act towards other people. We allow it to actually shape our words towards other people. You see, we need to let God's words reshape what we dwell on, what we think about, that that becomes the grid for you and me, that when we think about another person who's offended us, that we begin to realize, okay, it matters how I respond. It matters what I say. It matters what I privately think about that person (laughs) that nobody else really knows, right? Friends, walking in light, walking in love and truth means this, in light of the gospel. It means that we keep the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God before us every day. Friends, we, we sin against God every day. We all know that. There are things that we think about, things that we do, we named it on our confession a moment ago, that, that are an offense to the holiness of God. But let me tell you what he's done, or let me remind you what he's done. He's brought his son to go to the cross for you and me. That every day when we sin and repent, we receive his forgiving grace and we recognize that we stand spotless. That he has made us whiter than snow, right? We don't deserve this. We never did. He didn't love us because we were lovable somehow. Really weren't. He loved us because we were broken in sin. And he came to restore and renew us. That's what it means to walk in this truth daily. That that becomes what shapes how we then begin to think of other people. I want you to hear this. Because Jesus came to reconcile us to God by showing mercy to you and me who didn't deserve it on the cross, our response, friends, is to live lives of reconciliation, to live lives showing self-giving mercy to those who've offended us, to those who rub us the wrong way, to those we've been hating and even counting as enemies. That's the call. It's a weighty call. And friends, listen, I'm not saying this is easy because it's not. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't call us to easy. He called us to live lives following him. And he will give us everything we need in those moments. Now, I need to say this before I go on. Because some of you may be thinking, okay, Robert, you don't know what's happened to me. (laughs) You don't know some of the things that have been committed against me. And friends, I know in a room this size, there are many people, a number of folks, where someone has sinned against you in such an egregious way where someone has robbed you of life and you're thinking, how do I love them? You're calling me to love them? Can I tell you what love looks like in some of those cases? That we set up boundaries. Love at times looks like we set up boundaries to not allow those people to hurt anymore. Love at times looks like that we distance ourselves from those ones who have done things against us because we want a protection around us. That's what love looks like in those scenarios. Does that make sense? But yet, how do we deal with our thoughts in those times? We put up boundaries, we're separated from those people, but how do I, how do I live in light of what John is saying and what Jesus says here? This is part of the struggle. And I will say for some, it might be years in the making to come to the place to love someone who has so offended you. It may be a lifetime, <laughs> But what Jesus calls us to is this, 
He calls us to bring our struggle to him. He calls us to bring our wrestlings with him, to him. And we say, Jesus, come. I don't, I don't want to love. I'm having a hard time, but come show me how to do this. I need you, right? And it's letting the Lord come in and walk with us in that. That's what it looks like, I believe, to walk in love with those around us. Now, Jesus says some other startling words, doesn't he? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Wow, really, Jesus, you said that? (laughs) But he did, and that's how he lived. You see, friends, following Jesus is a radically different way of life, and this is the life that he is calling you and me into Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and many of you will know who he is and what his life was like, a a staunch follower of Jesus who found himself imprisoned in a concentration camp and ultimately died. Listen to what he once wrote. Jesus called his disciples to visible participation in the cross. He called his disciples to visible participation in the cross, that we would lay down our lives, that we would do the hard and painful things He did it to show us a way. John Stott elaborates on this, and and, and I love the way he explains this when Jesus, again, calling us, calling you and me to visible participation in the cross. We remember the cross, don't we? Here's what John Stott wrote Jesus seems to have prayed for his tormentors, actually, while the iron spikes were being driven through his hands and feet. He kept praying for them the whole time Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he wrote, if the cruel torture of crucifixion could not silence our Lord's prayer for his enemies, what pain, pride, prejudice, or sloth could justify the silencing of ours? Wow. Wow. That's the call to look to Jesus, isn't it? That's the call to follow Jesus, friends. It is not easy but only when we are reminded of the mercy of what he has done for us. Because, friends, we need to recognize if we were there when he was crucified, we would have been the ones saying, crucify him. But yet, what did he do? He prayed for us. Listen, I'm not saying that any of this is easy. It's not. But it's what God calls us to. And, friends, when we walk in this light, there is life in us. Friends, it'll set you free. But it'll also set others free. And they will see the beauty of Christ. I want to end with this passage from Romans 12 and then a question I'll pose. You can write this down and look at it later. It's one of those very challenging passages that we need to sit with. But Romans 12, verses 14 to 21. Here's what Paul wrote. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Do not associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Oh, don't we want to do that sometimes? (laughs) We want to take vengeance. But look what Paul writes. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And here's the question. How challenging is that going to be for you? I know it is for me. I will just tell you that. But Christ calls us to follow him. He calls us to die to ourselves. He calls us to a life receiving his love that through his grace, friends, we can actually share it with others. I said I was finished. So I got one thing. I'm sorry. It's going to take a second. We're going to come before the table in a minute. One of the things I love about our Kenyan liturgy that we use during this ordinary season, it's the communion liturgy, is there's a reminder in there that says we share one bread. We share one bread. We are one body. We will live together forever in Christ, it says. And we will say those words in a moment. Friends, can you, can you imagine what it would look like if we truly, as followers of Jesus, saw ourselves as one body? That we sought to live and love as Christ loved us in this community here. Can I tell you, the light that we will be in the city of Little Rock and in the communities around, that people will see a glimpse, and it's hard, but they will see love lived out, and guess what? They're going to see Jesus. And isn't that what we want? That they too would one day come to the table and receive the body and blood of our Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, <laughs> even in these very challenging words, but I thank you that you don't leave us alone, but you give us your Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do humanly. So Holy Spirit, come, fill us in fresh ways every day that we would live as Christ. In his name we pray.